0: Hello and welcome to Crank Kick Commentaries. As always, I am your host Jake Delmastro, and I am joined by my very good friend Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton.
1: Hello. How's it going?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. Excellent.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Um. So we've got a we got, we've a, got big a big one. episode for you today. <laughs>
0: uh. So this is we are covering the film Barry Lyndon.
1: To call it a film, I think, might even be an understatement.
0: Yeah, it might be an understatement. It's <laughs> it's an epic. An epic. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, for an epic film, we have an epic episode. Or rather, an, an epic, epic series. several episodes. An epic series, yes. yes. We have decided to cover uh, a film of this length and stature requires three episodes which is what we will <laughs> deliver to you about barry Lyndon.
1: <laughs> there it is yeah barry Lyndon.
0: for for the first time in our 35 episode history exactly, we are yeah. delivering a three-part
1: exactly in our yeah this is history in the making so stanley yeah. kubrick is the director we're going to be talking about
0: so yes um specifically and uh I think this first episode is mostly going to be about him. Oh, it's
1: going to be yeah, pretty much 100% about Stanley so Kubrick.
0: we are we are therefore titling this episode <laughs> you, you, How you how, how Stanley acquired the what, what was it? No, the it's style okay. It's okay, uh you say it.
1: it's by what means Stanley acquired the style and title of Kubrick.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Which brings me to my next question. Is it Kubrick or Kubrick?
0: Um I I'm, I'm not quite sure. I believe it's Kubrick. Like Okay,
1: you say Kubrick. I think it's Kubrick,
0: also- but the thing is, like, um I've never heard him say it.
1: <laughs> no, no. I've never heard him say. I've never it, heard
0: him say a lot of things. No. <laughs> That's gonna be a theme uh coming up. He doesn't like to talk about anything.
1: <laughs> no, he doesn't, but you know it's well yeah we'll talk that'll we'll talk about that a lot in part two um Mm -hmm. part one is gonna be pretty uh pretty biographical so let's just talk before we get really into anything let's just kind of break down because it's gonna be a lot of parts so let's just give you kind of a rundown of um how the uh episodes are gonna are gonna look in this part in part one Um, We're going to talk about the basic facts, obviously, because we always talk about. Well,
0: we're going to talk about by what means Stanley. (laughs) As
1: you said, mostly talking about Kubrick. Um, It's going to be very biographical leading up to Barry Lyndon. Uh, We're not really going to look too much at uh, anything besides the facts. I mean, we'll we'll speculate, as we always do, how it connects to Barry Lyndon a little bit and uh, otherwise. But I think. I think Stanley Kubrick has a pretty uh uh cemented reputation at this point and legacy.
0: I I, I should say so, yeah. Um <laughs>
1: Exactly, yeah. And I think everybody who's like into films or into Stanley Kubrick is kinda of familiar with what that is.
0: Yeah, so but if if you don't, if you've never seen a Stanley Kubrick movie Yes uh his he's sort of like um very much uh on a tour, uh <laughs> yeah yeah he he liked to have his uh his hands in pretty much every aspect of the film yeah like very meticulously like uh crafted movies yes
1: meticulously crafted indeed yeah
0: exactly and 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 in general i think they tend to be on the longer side yeah
1: well, because there's he put so much work into the as we'll yeah. learn pre-production that to make a short film well, would be a waste of time.
0: Yeah, and I, I I also get the sense that he cut a lot too. Yeah,
1: <laughs> oh he yeah definitely seems that way. It didn't like did he burn all his outtakes
0: yes he did <laughs> well not all of them because there are some i think that are floating There's around but, survived, like, but um,
1: yeah we'll get to all that and more later on i think and especially i think how he was looked at by the people yeah. around him and you know even i've i've been guilty of 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 talking about his reputation in broad terms before you know you know his reputation for being like a crazy jerk on that on that
0: yeah set Specifically, um, in regards to Jelly uh, Devall. jelly Duvall, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, all of that is going to be more uh, fodder for part two. Yeah, like that's that's what we're going to look at in part two. But I think, and I think you'll agree, I think Kubrick deserves a look at his career uh, in like yeah. in, in its own attempting, probably unsuccessfully mostly, but attempting to remove that a little bit. We're just going to look at his yeah. career a bit. Part two is going to be mostly that reputation as well as we're going to get into the, uh, the pre-production. I think I said that. I'm yeah. Not, are, are we I'm also
0: going to we might do some special segments. Well. Oh,
1: yeah. The special segments will be peppered in here. Peppered for our... in throughout, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I figured I wouldn't tell you when and where those are coming. Those will be, uh, okay. Yeah. We'll, those, we'll, will be we'll, a... we'll,
0: those will be a surprise for the, the listener. But
1: yes. All the usual segments are in here as well. Um, and finally, just so we don't waste any more time. Uh, talking about the episode without doing the episode. Uh, part three um, is going to cover all the production and the shooting of the film. So that's going to be the meatiest episode for sure in terms yeah, of like definitely. Barry Lyndon. Yeah, everything else is going to be very Kubrick heavy and like yeah, although background once again, we'll, heavy.
0: Well, ha- it'll relate all to this movie eventually. Y- yeah, it's all yeah. through <laughs> the lens of
1: Barry Lyndon.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But yeah, so shall we start start the episode uh formally with some of our well, I guess we haven't gone through the um the plot. The, uh, plot. Do you want to give us a rundown?
0: Sure. Okay. So uh I will try. Okay, so there is this guy uh named Redmond Barry. Uh good he name. is a good name. Yeah. So he's um he's an Irish uh an Irishman of sort of like upper like of, of higher birth, but in, in title only. Like he doesn't he, he doesn't really seem to be wealthy. It
1: seems like he'd be kind of fucked without his uncle's
0: charity. Exactly. So yeah, he has a He is of noble birth, but doesn't really have the wealth that comes along with that. And he falls in love with his cousin.
1: Yep, deeply in love. Uh
0: yeah, and then And then his cousin <laughs> marries a is going to marry a a british officer barry challenges him to a duel <laughs> <laughs> sorry i this is in the 1700s i just <laughs> wanted
1: to be clear. Is, it's a period it's a period piece yeah
0: it's a period piece it's in the 1700s so yeah, yeah. so there's a um, there's a duel barry believes that he kills the british officer in the duel then barry runs away because he just killed a man in the duel and that's actually illegal
1: <laughs> we kill not just anybody he killed an english
0: he killed a, a british officer yeah yeah uh, and then he goes to he runs away he gets he, get, he gets all his money stolen by highwaymen. all
1: his all his mother's savings
0: all his mother's savings and then he goes and joins the uh the british army actually yeah <laughs> Ironically. uh they yeah he gets in a fight uh and then everybody thinks he's cool and yes, then, yes. Um, then they ship him off to the continent uh for the seven years war Oh, and then they're, oh shit! I forgot about his buddy, the captain. But anyway, so uh, yeah. he he goes to he goes off and he he goes to the war and in his first battle, a buddy of his gets killed. His only
1: friend in the world.
0: His only friend in the world. But also earlier, they revealed that he didn't actually kill the guy. It turns out that the, the pistol the, was yeah, was rigged.
1: Original duo fails to yeah. kill the yeah
0: yeah exactly. So after after the dude dies, his friend, his only friend in the world, he's like, man, this the, maybe this this army thing isn't going to work out like maybe it's like and what does his friend hardcore? say when,
1: what does the captain say when he dies uh kiss me my boy for yeah uh, what is it it's a sweet line i have only a hundred guineas left to give you for i lost the rest of cards last night <laughs> kiss me my boy but we'll never meet again
0: so he dies uh and then Barry's like maybe I'm not cut out for all this armying shit uh you know maybe I I might get killed cuz battle seems pretty hardcore and I can't deal with that so um Yep. yep.
1: I mean so fair, then, fair especially yeah that the type of battle that they showed is pretty fucking brutal.
0: Yeah no it's it's <laughs> it doesn't seem like a battle I would want to be in. <laughs> no, it's it,
1: it's more it's like a rolling the dice type battle than it is a
0: Yeah exactly. Um in order to desert the army, because he's trying to run away because he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. He steals an officer's uniform who was supposed to be delivering dispatches to...
1: Yeah, and this is... this Dusseldorf
0: or somewhere in Germany?
1: Somewhere in Germany. It doesn't really matter. I think um, this is the worst part of the movie in the sense that it's like they kind of... The, the tone is that they imply that the, the generals kind of deserve it because they're being gay. You know what I mean? Oh. They they deserve to get fucked over. That it's like, it's actually, it's not such a bad thing. I don't know if
0: that's the implication there, but.
1: Uh, Maybe not. That's the tone. I mean, I I don't think that Barry
0: is necessarily a, like. You know, always doing the morally correct. He's thing. not a noble,
1: a noble yeah. protagonist, obviously. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I suppose that's that. It's kind of with that. Under- yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. Like maybe Barry doesn't feel bad about it because
1: of that. Yeah, that's that. It's true. It's true.
0: Um, Barry steals the uniform. Uh, he he goes and he rides off. He eventually runs into the prussian army who are like hey where are you going you know because the prussians are the allies of the british in the seven years war
1: yeah well i think there might be a bit of a history refresher
0: oh yeah yeah we'll have to explain <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll talk about it next episode yeah
0: exactly but anyway the, the Prussians sort of sense that something is fishy with him one
1: one prussian in particular yeah. Colonel what is it Potsdorf?
0: captain Potsdorf. captain Sorry. Captain Posdorff. Uh and so he spelled something fishy because he was like, uh, you say that you're British, but that your uncle's name is O'Grady or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't um, sound like a British name to me. What does he say? You say
1: you say <laughs> your your uncle is the English ambassador to Germany with the ridiculous name of O'Grady. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs>
0: Uh, anyway, so um, he, he the, the Prussians soon realize that he's not telling the truth and that he is in fact a deserter from their allies. Yeah, he he
1: is not good at faking his way through this.
0: Yeah. So basically, he's given a choice. He can either join the Prussian army or he can be like arrested, like I assume executed for being a deserter. I guess they don't really. One would assume. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I uh,
1: assume that that's the punishment
0: yeah so he joins the prussian army
1: which is much worse
0: yeah the prussian army seems like a bad time they're like fucking beating people like beating each other all the time for like apparently minor infractions yeah yeah also uh they seem to be composed of a bunch of like the scum of society
1: <laughs> yeah just like
0: and they, they strongly and they, they basically yeah barry picks up a couple sort of negative the, yeah, habits yeah. yeah so a, a couple years later um as the war is i guess drawing to a close winding clothes, down yeah winding down um captain Potsdorf who who has uh you missed the important oh wait the battle right okay the battle, yeah. yeah yeah so he's in a battle because you know there are battles in the war <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and he saves captain Potsdorf's life a
1: building's collapsing on him and he carries him yeah. to safety.
0: Yeah, and he gets a medal because he's so cool. Because
1: of his luck.
0: Because of his luck, exactly.
1: Right place, right time.
0: Exactly, right place, the right time. So anyway, Captain Postdorf is, ingrati- is ingratiated him. And as the the uh, the war is winding down to a close, he's like, okay, you know, I mean, you can't stay in the army forever, buddy. Uh, you <laughs> know, maybe I can set you up with a nice job in the police force. And then he's like, uh, we want you to go spy on this guy. Yeah, and
1: they throw him right into it.
0: Yeah, they throw him right into it. And, um, and my thought
1: about this part is, like, he's giving him his backstory when they're on the carriage ride over. And I was like, you'd think they'd, like, they'd give him...
0: Yeah, give him more preparation. <laughs>
1: yeah, like, that'd be, like, a lot to remember on the carriage ride over.
0: Yeah. But anyway, so um, they, they want him to go spy on this guy, the Chevalier, who they believe is actually an Irishman in disguise.
1: Need I remind you that Redmond Barry is yeah, so... also... An Irishman. Yeah,
0: Redmond Barry is also Irish, so he's like, well, maybe you can you can tell if he's if he's actually Irish.
1: <laughs> it's a pretty a uh, pretty straightforward plan, really.
0: So you're gonna go pretend to be his butler, but you're gonna like update us on his comings and goings because he's just a sketchy dude. Because also we think the Chevalier's a spy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we think he's a French spy, or no, I I, I don't know, he's a spy, uh,
1: Irish spy in the service of the Austrians
0: right yes okay um there's a lot going on in this movie a lot of a
1: lot of like nobility
0: yes so um he uh goes to meet the chevalier he realizes that this chevalier is irish (laughs) remembers his longing for his home country (laughs) and uh immediately spills the beans uh to the chevalier yeah he's like and he's like i've been sent to spy on you um, his
1: loyalty shit but maybe we can be like friends that.
0: because you're also his, irish
1: his his loyalties are to the motherland exactly <laughs>
0: um then they then he uh him and the chevalier just become good good friends uh he continues to uh Pretend to the Colonel Potsdorf. to Colonel Postorff that he's spying on him and he gives him a bunch of really boring information about him and He's so like he's "Okay, like, he seems to check out. So he's
1: like double agenting sort of because, exactly but he's not, Yeah, but he's not really helping out. Well, the
0: Chevalier is not actually working for the Austrians is it? <laughs> it's
1: fucking complicated
0: <laughs> Like the, what the Chevalier is all about is cheating at cards.
1: Yes, that <laughs> is his that is his thing Gambling.
0: Yeah. At, at a certain point the Potsdorf and others have decided they had enough with the Chevalier and they're going to deport him. So, uh, him and Barry had a plan that the Chevalier is going to just leave the country anyway, and then, um, Barry is going to dress up as the Chevalier.
1: Cause he's got quite a costume.
0: Yeah, so that he can, the Chevalier has an eye patch, by the way, that's important.
1: <laughs> that's, yeah, that's important. <laughs> yeah.
0: For the costume, uh, so that he can be, so he can leave the country without being suspicious. So he dresses up as the Chevalier and then proceeds to get deported. <laughs> so then him and the Chevalier decide that they're going to roam across, you know, the fancy places in Europe and cheat at cards. Yeah,
1: just like uh, go through the nobility, ripping off. Yeah, like Robin Hood, but only giving to himself.
0: Exactly. So at a certain point. Barry meets this lovely lady, the Lady Lyndon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where this is going. Yeah.
0: But problem is she's married. Indeed, uh, she is. Indeed. Uh to to Lord Charles Linden, who is a lord of some kind, I don't know. I don't
1: know. Yeah, he's some, some He's some again. kind of
0: noble of some noble. kind.
1: And he's quite old.
0: Charles Sir Charles Lyndon is a very old man. And um, so, Sir so Charles Lyndon, though, you know, he can tell what's going on. He knows that, you know... He
1: sees what's happening. He's... He
0: sees that Lady Lyndon's really in love with Barry. Or, sorry, Redmond.
1: Redmond.
0: Yeah, so... And then, while he confronts Barry over a game of cards, uh, he promptly dies <laughs> of presumably a heart attack.
1: One would assume.
0: Presumably because he's just been so agitated by Barry. Yeah, it, <laughs> says, it says here...
1: In the, in the Wikipedia page it says, because Lyndon is frail, sickly, and old, Barry's goading and verbal repartee ultimately sent him into a fit of convulsions that end with his death.
0: Yeah. So Barry then uh, goes ahead and marries uh, <laughs> yeah, Lady Linden and becomes Barry Linden. <laughs> Huzzah! And uh, that is how he acquires the title and uh, that is under what... By what means does Bear, does Redmond Barry acquire the the title and. The style, style.
1: The style and title.
0: The style and title of Barry Lennon. I really fucked that up. Butchered that. Um,
1: that's part one.
0: That's part one. There's an intermission.
1: That could be a whole movie unto itself.
0: No, it really could be. But we shall power through. You're writing,
1: Tis not. So, everybody, settle in for part settle two. In.
0: Part two, I feel like, is much less complicated.
1: No, well, yeah, part one is obviously, there's a lot, there's a lot of ground to cover in part one.
0: Yeah, part so... Two,
1: part one, you get to the top, it's much easier to climb a mountain than it is to fall off the peak, man. <laughs> or vice versa, whatever I said. Yeah.
0: yeah, so as you might have, like, guessed, you know, this is a classic Rise and Fall story. So, um, part one is obviously the Rise. Indeed. And it all goes downhill from there. Yes. Basically, Barry is now uh, the—he's now married to Lady Lyndon, but Lady Lyndon had a kid from a previous marriage who really doesn't like Barry for obvious reasons because Barry is <laughs> yeah. fucking tool. Sick, Barry's <laughs> clearly
1: a fucking tool, and he's clearly only in it for the money. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's clearly only in it for the money because he wants to be a fucking lord, but he's not a lord. He doesn't have the title. <laughs> and then he's also got this other kid who is actually his kid brian yes and then basically bullington who is who is his stepson uh gets treated like shit the
1: true heir to the linden name
0: yeah so he's the actual heir because barry doesn't actually barry doesn't actually have any right to the money he yeah, just he, does it he he's just he basically just, using it in her name yeah
1: it's her money he's just yeah overpowering her like Emotionally yeah. and physically to.
0: So yeah, he's he's being like a huge jackass, and he's also like womanizing, and uh yeah, he's just
1: being a, a general piece of shit.
0: <laughs> general piece of shit, and he kind of decides that like you know, it would be really nice if I was a lord, <laughs> if I had my own money, you know. Yeah,
1: it's a good thought.
0: That's a good thought. I should try to be that. I should try to do that. So he ends up doing a lot of really uh, ill-advised thing spending his money trying to like win the favor of the king
1: not spending his money
0: spending lady lyndon's money so that he can become a lord and have his own money it's
1: very uh cyclical
0: (laughs) yeah exactly um and then at one point even um paying for some troops to go uh put down that meddlesome rebellion in the americas (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they say that on what occasion that is great yes meanwhile uh lord bullington is uh bullington who's the child who doesn't like barry is getting really pissed at this. who's
1: the actual lord
0: yeah he's the actual heir yeah so and he's like fuck you barry i'm gonna and go leave and he's like what
1: 13 or 14 at this point i don't remember exactly yeah but. i don't
0: know he's a certain age but then Okay, so as all this is happening, uh, it's going to be his, his, his son's birthday. His
1: actual son, his biological his actual son. son.
0: So uh, he's like, I really want a horse. And then Barry's like, well, I'll get you a horse because I love you so much. Because I love like you that so much more than fucking Bullington You're <laughs> like, <your dumb> ass, <laughs> shitty
1: ass stupid fucking brother
0: yeah, exactly. I
1: actually love you
0: yeah, I love you, so um and it, it very much seems like he does um, yeah
1: yep, yeah, he does
0: so and then anyway, so he's like, I'll get you a horse, so he gets him a horse, yep, uh, and he's like, you know, but it's a surprise, so don't look at it and then uh you know he's and then the kid like over here is that he's gonna get a horse, and he's like, You got me a horse, didn't you and he's like yeah, but don't don't go ride it, because don't go ride it because that's not safe. And so the kid goes ahead and rides the horse alone, <laughs> gets thrown idiot. off the horse like a dumb fucking,
1: like, like a dumb fucking,
0: <laughs> like a dumb idiot. Yeah, um, like and then the kid like, of Redmanberry Wood, the child of Redmanberry Wood, he gets thrown off the horse. Uh, he is uh injured, brutally. Yeah. Internally uh, bleeding internal bleeding all sorts of shit and this is the 1700s so they don't know oh. how to fix it yep yep uh, they don't leaches, have fucking maybe. fancy medicine yeah yeah you might want to try some leeches <laughs> um <laughs> so uh anyway so the kid dies naturally because it's the 1700s yeah they don't know how to fix that shit <laughs> yeah you fall off
1: a horse that's that's it you your toe hard enough that's it yeah
0: yeah you probably get like fucking Infection, dysentery and die <laughs> Anyway, the kid dies. Yeah. And um, Barry and his son are... are sorry, Barry and uh, Lady Lyndon are both... Uh,
1: Broken. Devastated.
0: Devastated. And they're mourning and all that, and then Barry becomes an alcoholic. Classic. Um,
1: Classic, yeah.
0: What happens to Lady Lyndon that makes her want to kill herself?
1: Um, Is there a specific trigger? I think there's like an... like an incident between the two Barry of them. does something yeah yeah he does something particular, like he like hits her or something
0: yeah I don't remember,
1: remember exactly what it is
0: anyway and then she tries to kill herself and yeah. then Bullington gets wind of this oh
1: she f- she fires he fires the the reverend that I forgot about the reverend character
0: right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. anyway he fires the reverend the... but I don't think that's it I think there's more to it than that i can't remember yeah
1: it yeah it just says here lady lyndon later attempts suicide i don't remember exactly what happened
0: yeah yeah it's shortly after that but anyway she tries to kill herself bullington gets word yes. of this the and is like,
1: gets word to bullington
0: and then bullington's like this is your fault fucking redmond barry you're not my dad <laughs>
1: you're not my real dad
0: <laughs> and then he's like i challenge you to a fucking duel because that's how we do it in this movie. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's all about fucking duels. This movie about, I just realized, about just the worst stepdad ever.
0: Well, that's the second uh, half of it. Yeah, it's true. The first half is yeah. about
1: how he became the worst stepdad ever.
0: So, um, Barry, uh, gets into a duel. Um, a very tense because, duel. okay, so, also, this, I don't know, like, this duel's fucked.
1: Yeah, this is such a tense like this 20 is such minute a... movie but if you think
0: about it like like this dueling makes no sense what do you mean no like not like in the movie it makes perfect sense but i'm saying like dueling in the general? actual that particular style of dueling where you literally just take turns shooting at each other <laughs> so like funny. you don't even shoot at the same time
1: the best part of... Yeah, I know, right? It's just like you fucking toss a coin and shoot at each other one at a time. <laughs> it's, it's so like, damn. It's the stupidest thing in the fact that the whole point of it, oh, it's supposed to be... It's a civilized way to solve our problems
0: anyway so, anyway, so the duel happens. Barry... So, uh Bullington's first shot misfires. So, Barry gets an opportunity to shoot back. He's all young and dumb, so he, like,
1: misfires.
0: Exactly. And then Barry's like, well... You know, I I don't really want to kill you, so he just fires his gun into the ground, and then he's yeah. like, "You're not That's... gonna shoot me, right?" Yeah,
1: like I. <laughs> and then Bullington's peace with like, you. "No,
0: I'm gonna shoot you." <laughs> <laughs> like, so then Bullington shoots him in the leg. Yep. Uh, like he's not a pretty. I, I mean, he, I guess he's as good a shot as any as you can be with like with fucking those pistols yeah, uh those types inaccurate of pistols,
1: not particularly accurate um
0: but so anyway he gets shot in the leg um oh yeah bollington also vomited before this but that's not because, important because he was about to shoot it was about to shoot him and then he was like nah yeah
1: exactly because he was about <laughs> to get killed
0: yeah his um shitty stepfather yeah but then he shoots him in the leg uh barry goes to the doctor that they find in like 10 minutes so probably not the best one
1: yeah well you know the best one you can find in ten minutes.
0: Yeah. And so the doctor is like, so uh I got good news and bad news. Uh, good news, you're probably gonna survive. Bad news, we've got to cut off your leg.
1: Yeah, that's uh, a <laughs> pretty rough. Pretty rough prognosis.
0: So uh Bullington, meanwhile, realizes he's he's received satisfaction. Uh so he goes to reclaim his title and uh he he, he makes sure that like uh Barry doesn't go near his mother again
1: yeah he like cuts him out legally He
0: yeah he cuts him out legally and then he's like if you fuck off and leave the country and never come back again i will allow you to have a small allowance which
1: is like <laughs> so generous
0: yeah and that's pretty much where the movie ends uh barry becomes like you know not rich anymore. Um, yeah, he fucks
1: off back. He fuck,
0: he's missing a fucking leg, and he's still an alcoholic. Um, <laughs> so things don't know well for Barry. So yeah, that's the movie. That's how. That's what happens. Well
1: done. Well, well recounted.
0: Yeah, I was trying to be like somewhat brief with that, but there's no way to do it. No,
1: you can't be brief, and there's, you can't. You I can skipped only a lot yada, of stuff yada, actually. Yada so, so much.
0: <laughs> Especially in part two, we yada 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 <laughs> Yeah,
1: You can only yada 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 yeah. so much. But yeah, we. We did, so yes, that is that is the film. Do you want what are you, what are your initial thoughts
0: uh, about the film?
1: Because I know I know you're you are a quite a large Kubrick fan.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Not
1: that I'm not, but but I would definitely in the in the Kubrick fandom universe, I would definitely defer to <laughs> okay, you. <yeah. sighs> <laughs> so what how do you feel about this movie not just cuz we are going to be talking a lot about Kubrick not just
0: as a film but as a Kubrick film Exactly but Okay I think both. I, I want both Okay so first thoughts. I'll give you just what I think of the film and then I will put place yeah. it in the canon of Sweet. Kubrick So I think this film is absolutely beautiful is the first thing Sick, Like yeah. like from a visual standpoint like I think that that is like pretty much the best part about this movie
1: yeah absolutely it's
0: just it is one of the best looking movies i've ever seen
1: it could be a silent yeah it could almost be a silent film just like yeah shot for shot it's just it's just a pleasure to watch
0: (laughs) yeah and like i think this movie gets like sort of a little bit of flack for like being boring but i don't Um, really understand that because there's so much that happens
1: no yeah it's slow
0: There's a it's long, I'll give you that. Yeah, it's
1: slow, yeah. It's slow at times. Yeah. But but yeah, it's long, that's it.
0: But yeah, like... um,
1: I wouldn't fault you for watching it in two sittings. Yeah, especially
0: because there's a very handy intermission right in the middle of
1: it. Exactly, part one and two, baby.
0: Right when you gotta switch the laser discs. (laughs) <laughs> I don't actually have some Elizabeth disc I gotta get it
1: <laughs> are you aware if that's the I assume that would be the time that you flip it they would make it like it would that.
0: probably be close to there it might not be dead on though it, because, they couldn't do it exactly because, yeah. well it, yeah it's, it just has to do with the size of a lizard disc. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. but anyway so uh, I really like this and in terms of the Kubrick canon I think it's like probably one of the most it's, it's one of the more maligned Kubrick films I think for sure because mostly because it's super long and it's like but I, 2001 is also long but like that's different 2001's on a
1: different yeah it's a different, different. plane.
0: <laughs> it's on a different planet <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. yeah anyway, uh yeah it's kind of i think it's uh it's kind of um i would say it's underrated in terms of cuba film
1: yeah totally. because it's like
0: you know i think a lot of people are like oh it's some kind of Weird, silly costume drama, right?
1: Yeah, oh, it's it's his boring ass period piece.
0: Yeah, it's his boring ass period piece, right? Like,
1: yeah, he just wanted to, he just wanted to calm down. He wanted to do the opposite of two thousand one and be lame.
0: <laughs> yeah, the other like, thing is, like, it almost feels like a Scorsese film.
1: <laughs> really, I would. Yeah, like, like how so? Go uh,
0: uh, just like sort on of that. the characters. You know what I mean? Like, they're very like uh, fucking. Uh, Scorsese type characters, you know what I mean? Yeah. I
1: mean, I mean, I mean <laughs> S- Scorsese is very uh Kubrick influenced.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, in a I lot think of ways. so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
1: totally. I can see it. There are some uh uh I could, you know, it would have been I could see Redman Buried played by
0: uh De Niro. De Niro yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would have done it much better. Or uh uh Leo.
1: Yeah, yeah, or Harvey Keitel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah none of them are Irish though and I think that no, was
0: no 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 well neither is ryan O'Neill. All right a
1: good point what is
0: he <laughs> I think he's American is he
1: really no yeah way. I think he's
0: american <laughs> Oh, that makes los angel so born much in worse. Los Angeles, California
1: where was he raised that was so that's so rough he was i mean that leads me to my initial thoughts this film.
0: Oh, he's his father is Irish, though.
1: That's kind of... I was thinking he must have some sort of natural Irish accent, or Kubrick wouldn't have hired him, because I feel like that's the only reason... And his,
0: his mother's also Irish.
1: So, yeah, he must have... have well, his name's
0: a, Ryan O'Neill.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. so, okay,
0: so he's got Irish ancestry, but he's not... didn't grow up in Ireland. But he
1: is, without a doubt, the worst part of this movie. Yeah? I think his, um... I definitely when I first watched this movie and you know, I was like reading about it. I read a very ac- I don't remember the review who it was from. So I'm definitely paraphrasing it a bit. Uh but it was like he, he, and I found it to be very accurate. His 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 range and depth never really uh it's it's pretty thin. Like yeah. his, his range of emotion, Okay, I can, yeah, I can see that. It never really like like what he does, he does Fine. It's just like he reacts the same way to Yeah, like... he's
0: also kind of an odd casting choice, I would say.
1: How so? Like I agree. Well, like
0: I mean he doesn't quite have like the pedigree that like you would expect, you know, Ex- for a, a film like this.
1: Yeah, and I think that is kind of one of the major um like criticisms of, of this film is that is that he can't really carry...
0: Is that he? We you made this fantastic, beautiful film, and then you, your lead actor is a wet blanket.
1: <laughs> exactly. Which is, like, a totally valid criticism, I think, of this yeah.
0: film. Yeah, I mean, it seems like we're being a bit harsh on him, but like, Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of
1: weight on his shoulders. It's a... Yeah, exactly. It's a hard movie to Ryan, carry Ryan,
0: Ryan, we'd love to have you on the podcast. Yeah, just of course. To, he uh,
1: does a fine job. He does an absolutely yeah. fine job. Uh, it's just... <laughs> It's an it's an epic that requires like a Marlon Brando type yeah. character, who we will mention very briefly. He comes up in the Kubrick story.
0: Oh will we?
1: Which I suppose we should get get to get now. Get to
0: the Kubrick story because this is yes. indeed how Stanley By what means <laughs> Stanley acquired the style and title of Kubrick
1: there you go nailed it that time yes just before we move on actually i just wanted to say one like um about like in terms of this film in the uh the kubrick like
0: canon exactly (laughs) yeah
1: it's so it's like it's one of his last films interestingly all things considered because he only made three films after it
0: i guess yeah i mean that sort of speaks to just the process of Stanley Kubrick.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I mean, he he definitely, like...
0: There were a lot of films that, like, I think he, he was trying to make that he never got done.
1: Yeah, I think this kind of, like, this film in a lot of ways, like, marks kind of when he started to fall off the grid a little bit.
0: Well, yeah, yeah sort of this period is definitely... It happens right before this. Like this is definitely during that. I think.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll t- we'll talk we'll talk about the period before it. I like, but um, just in the context, yeah, because this is a late Stanley Kubrick film. It's like in his canon. It's like it's it's really as you say, it's really good representation of how much work goes into a Kubrick film. Exactly. <laughs> so let's uh let's jump right into his uh his life a little bit.
0: So yeah, so I I would sort of split up with, with, he's got sort of like two periods of his career. Okay. And I guess we'll start with the American period. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes, there's the there's American Kubrick and then yeah, then we'll get to the Kubrick part two. So yeah. Stand the Man. Uh um, Stand the Man. Man from the Bronx. Yeah, Stand the Man. <laughs> he's just he's just a kid from the Bronx, man. He's a
0: kid from the Bronx.
1: <laughs> um he was born what? 19
0: 1928.
1: Oh wow, earlier than I thought. Yeah. Nineteen twenty eight. Um in the Bronx. So he uh he was a smart person.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I yeah, I think that's that's it's pretty evident if you if you like know anything about his like uh his process, but yeah. yeah, Very smart guy. Although uh not go to school
1: uh, oh yeah i saw a hilarious i was watching a documentary about him and i saw a hilarious uh youtube comment being like oh man he was born with bags under his eyes wasn't he and it's like it's i know true. yeah he
0: really was <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I mean, he just doesn't sleep
1: no i like he just he never has- left honestly like the more you learn about him the more you're like how did he have time to make movies i know
0: (laughs) i know
1: (laughs) um but before all that he he, yeah it all started with a a passion for cameras
0: yes so this is still still photography um yes and, and and so i think this is actually a really interesting like uh thing that that did i think really influences like how he worked later is that like he started off as a photographer yeah, totally. So like that's how he approached a movie. I
1: think it's, it's exactly. It's all about the vi- the visual, the look of it.
0: <laughs> exactly the look of it. Like it's all about what's on the the screen. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And because I thought obviously he came up in the in the silent era, so he was yeah um, really into into the idea of silent films. I think he was even like in his earlier films a little bit. Hesitant oh, yeah. to even work with dialogue because he wanted yeah. to be such a. It was all about the the image, but yeah. So he started his career as a photographer.
0: Yeah, as a as a photojournalist specifically. As
1: a photojournalist, exactly for. Uh, I believe
0: Luke. he was still he was still in high school, right? I think
1: so. I think because he. Yeah. He, he he got hired as, like, an apprentice photographer yeah. because he just, like, sent in some of his photos, and they were like...
0: Well, so there was this one specific photo that apparently he he took on the day that FDR died. Oh, yeah. Did you see the photo?
1: No, I didn't see the photo.
0: Well, so, basically, he... I think he got hired by the magazine because he took this photo of, like, a, a guy running a newsstand, and yeah. on all the newspapers, it was like, FDR dead. And then the there was just the newspaper guy there and he looked so sad. Let's see if I can
1: find this photo really yeah. quick. Oh, yeah, I see it. There it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And yeah, so um, apparently I, I heard that, that that photo was actually staged, but you know.
1: What? <laughs> what? You got to go yeah. more to that.
0: No, I don't know. That's just what I heard. I don't I have any more information Where'd on that. you hear this? I can't remember. Who told but, you? Like, yeah. Like I mean he's I think he saw the guy and then he was like can you look super sad for me? <laughs> like
1: oh yeah okay.
0: Yeah. I mean that's Like he didn't put up the newsstand.
1: I find that's not that's not that's not that bad. That just shows his creative ability. That just shows you yeah. know he knows how to manipulate a photograph and an image to I, to get I what suppose he needs so. He knows it. how to direct. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely.
0: Yeah. So I, I believe also on this time that he was uh, starting starting work for as a photographer. He was also supporting himself by uh, playing chess in New York <laughs> City for money.
1: This this is I'm not. Where did you hear this? Because I I saw that on his on his Wikipedia page that he was like playing chess for money. Yeah.
0: Well, this is from his. This is what he said.
1: But the 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 reference. On that particular sentence, yeah, is a bad reference.
0: Because is it okay? I seem to remember like there was a an interview that Kubrick did early in his career. I think it's one of his only interviews, right? And I think like, he was talking about that.
1: Like he was, he played chess a lot.
0: Yeah, and this is actually a motif that shows up too. Yeah, <laughs> in like a lot he, of and things. He,
1: and he was a part of several chess yeah. societies that he played with. He's apparently and, like,
0: obsessed with chess. Yeah
1: and he, he he uh yeah he, he said something about like a quarter a game um yeah but it was definitely misinterpreted in the way in the wikipedia article it might have just been that like they referenced the wrong thing right um so but the reference on the wikipedia article for that is is it's not at all what the book says
0: happened. okay yeah but i i believe what i'm recalling is we're going to have to double check this afterwards
1: yeah, we'll look into it but i
0: believe it like there was an a an interview he did early in his career when he still did interviews
1: <laughs> yeah very <early laughs> that i think he talks about it yeah. yeah but like that chess chess was a big uh uh yeah career are there any scenes in for... this in this film where he plays chess yeah they, it opens um when you introduce like him and his cousin are playing chess Oh, no, they're playing right, cards. No, yeah. no, 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 they're playing cards. They're playing
0: cards, yeah. There's a lot of cards in this movie. But the first scene in this movie is not that. That's no. the second scene in this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my bad.
0: <laughs> the first scene in this movie is the first duel.
1: Yeah, exactly. Is there chess in this movie? There must be at least one. I'm sure... Yeah, maybe. In part two, there's some chess. But yeah, third, anyway, back, getting back to his uh his early photography career, he worked for Look Magazine, as we said through his assignments at look magazine he he proved himself to be like pretty good and he like you know rose the ranks and started getting like pretty significant assignments from from the magazine and he ended up he he shot dwight eisenhower when he was a, a gop hopeful mm. <laughs> and he did a lot of political shooting early on but he also shot frank sinatra and dorothy kirsten wow um there's a huge list of jazz people he shot a lot of jazz people there was also baseball he was a baseball fan so he got to shoot uh don newcomb who was a pitcher for the brooklyn dodgers i don't know if he was a good pitcher i don't know anything about baseball or baseball history but... yeah
0: <laughs> i don't know anything about how, how good were the, the dodgers i mean i guess they couldn't have been that good back then because they got moved shortly afterwards
1: <laughs> yeah exactly so
0: i don't know i don't know anything about baseball history maybe i no, don't go about
1: that. <laughs> but you know, he he was romantic about baseball.
0: <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't make a movie about it. Honestly, a little bit. It's because he never he never lived long enough for uh, Michael Lewis to write Moneyball. You're
1: right. You're right. That's Otherwise, he,
0: he would have adapted it.
1: Honestly, I would love to see a Kubrick Moneyball.
0: <laughs> I don't know what he would do with it, but it would be interesting. Uh, It'd
1: be interesting, no doubt.
0: Because I'm sure he would very much uh he would very much like the idea. I think of sabermetrics
1: oh yeah totally (laughs) yeah he would love that it's right up his alley (laughs) but in lieu of a baseball film he made his other sports passion at the time was boxing so he did a lot a a couple of photo essays about um, boxing and one particular boxer whose name eludes me at this moment but that is where he got the idea for his first film because throughout his whole career as a photographer he had become quite obsessed with film
0: yeah just watching movies enjoying movies like
1: yeah exactly and there was a great what was a, a great quote I uh, someone said about how he like how he got into the film industry and how he was like you know so many of the movies I see are terrible
0: yeah maybe I can do, maybe I could do that <laughs> yeah exactly it's like, it's like, like, like <laughs> you know I might not be I might not surely be it can't make, be that hard
1: exactly like I I, pro- I might not be able to make the best possible movie but I bet I but can but surely I'll make one as good as that right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly I can make a movie better than that so that was kind of part of his inspiration early on but his first film yeah absolutely his first couple of films were documentaries documentary yeah. shorts
0: so I actually I, I I watched the Flying Padre actually. That's well, the more in the interesting
1: of the of the two.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be honest though, like, if I had just seen like the Flying Padre and I'm like, do you think this guy's a good director? I'd be like, oh, he's fine, I guess. <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like I don't, I don't know if I see much of a future in this.
1: I mean, there's not much to go on.
0: <laughs> like, it's not great. It's not bad, but like, it's a. Uh, it's an interesting subject
1: (laughs) yeah i mean amateur filmmaking in the 1950s is no no
0: it's it's shot fine but it seems like just a generic newsreel is the thing right right yeah like it seems pretty generic is my point
1: gotcha it's it definitely has no personality
0: yeah exactly but interestingly uh he says that that um while he uh he he's not a big fan of his early films. He thinks that the Flying Padre is uh, it was important because it's when he quit his job.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, the, well, it is because I don't know if he what if he has anything to say about. But what I was reading. There's like, it's kind of inconclusive. He may have had a couple other documentary shorts, but
0: right, but we don't know if they're all credited and everything and stuff Even like that. Or...
1: None such exist credited to, or him.
0: if the yeah yeah okay yeah fair enough yeah i mean i don't know uh apparently
1: there is historical speculation that he may have made other films at this time
0: yeah it seems possible but like nobody will ever know exactly unless it, they find like a reel in his house or something like that
1: <laughs> we should we should plug the boxes documentary yeah we'll
0: talk about yeah 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 uh, i think we'll talk insane. a lot about that more in part two but there's this documentary that if you're a fan of Stanley Kubrick, you should watch it because it's it's really it's good.
1: Very interesting. Yeah.
0: It's called Stanley Kubrick's Boxes, and yes. it's just it's it's after he died. Basically, he left behind this uh this giant like like I can't even describe how many boxes this is.
1: Yeah, like ware- warehouses.
0: Like warehouses full of boxes. <laughs> And it's just this guy going through them and sort of, like, trying to figure out what he was doing.
1: It is. It's a fascinating lens. But
0: anyway, like I was saying, maybe we'll find out if somebody finds it in one of the boxes.
1: Yeah, perhaps one day it'll be opened. But Yeah. Yeah, but all uh, all these early films, up until, we haven't even got there yet, but his early films are all funded through just, like, friends and family.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: And these are expensive films, too, like, you know... Um, his next film is his first feature-length film.
0: Fear and Desire.
1: Fear and Desire, yes.
0: I've not actually seen the entire film of that one.
1: No, me neither. But he makes this film with a crew of 15 people.
0: Yeah, it it seems to have, uh, sort of mixed reviews.
1: Yeah, I think...
0: Like, a lot of people at the time were like, you know, this is, uh, you know, really interesting. There's some good stuff in here, but it's also not good. <laughs> like...
1: e- exactly. I think I think these next two films that he made were, like, well-made, but, like, yeah, not good. Ooh. If that makes sense. Yeah, like, people are like, there's a, a lot good. of
0: interesting things in them. And, you know, they're, uh, they're quite well put together, but, you know, not always acted well, and yeah. not always, like, the best writing. Exactly.
1: Like, <laughs> exactly. I think it seems at this time in his career, his philosophy was make movies yeah so like, he was just learning the ropes you know exactly like i think he had a quote that was like the best way to learn how to make movies is not is is to just make them it's like a generic quote but i think he said he said something like that as well
0: <laughs> yeah but once least... again this is the era where we're gonna have the most quotes from yeah because exactly. this is when he actually talked to the press
1: there's quotes from other people about his later yeah career, exactly like, not so much from him
0: <laughs> yeah um but anyway, so uh, yeah, but it also shows, like, uh, I think, like you know, about just sort of the nature of, like, you know, being a great, great at any kind of art, really, is that like, you don't always start good.
1: Exactly, you gotta. You so gotta... it's like
0: you gotta work up to it. Like,
1: what was and so like it? even
0: somebody who's like you know he's a giant in the world of cinema like Danny think like, everybody can accept that that is the case.
1: Oh, you know what I was watching? I was watching the Ed Sheeran documentary um, about his songwriting, and he said yeah. he, he had a quote that was like about um, how you know you you got to uh, writing songs when you're young is like um, turning on the tap in a yeah. in an old house. Oh like,
0: yeah, that's a good. That's that's good. That's that's a really good, good quote. A, actually, he's a
1: smart guy. is like you have. Well, I like,
0: mean, he's a songwriter. Like that's a good lyric.
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: <laughs> 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 obviously, he'd be good at coming up with shit like that. That's <laughs> like,
1: a good point. That's a great lyric. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's like turning on a tavern. Old house, you got like let the let the like you know rusty shitty old yeah. Water you got to out let
0: the crud run out before you drink it. Before you get clear water. Yeah, and I,
1: that's very much true for for Stanley Kubrick as well.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. Like yeah,
1: his early films were basically setting him up for. That's why again it's yeah. such a... It's such but he was a like train. yeah, he was also
0: experimenting like learning the techniques and like
1: yeah, like that's why I think Stanley Kubrick is like. Studied as a filmmaker, because he's like, he's probably the most studied filmmaker there is, like from a from a uh, yeah up there sense,
0: definitely like yeah
1: maybe Steven Spielberg or something I don't know Orson but, Welles uh, Orson Welles but yeah he's he's up there but um but yeah. because he like. He, he, he he puts on a clinic, but like slowly through his career. Yeah, exactly. Of just like learning and trying out new things and inventing new shit. It's just like mm-hmm. but anyway, um we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Uh but yeah, he's
0: ahead. he's rapid fire making movies at this point. Yeah,
1: Fear and Desire, and then he makes Killer Kiss, which is another film about boxing, still funded yeah. by his family. So this
0: this this is the point from Killer's Kiss onward I've seen all of them, I think. Right. So
1: But this, exactly, Killer's Kiss is his last kind of family-funded endeavor. Yeah, exactly. It's his last amateur film, basically.
0: And then he he almost, then he does The Killing. The Killing is
1: through his sweet 1950s networking.
0: Yeah, Um, playing chess in Washington Square Park.
1: Yeah, he's playing chess in Washington Square Park. He meets a guy named James B. Harris who becomes his like business partner who basically just pays for all his shit like he's he's already in the business i think as i understand it he's already in the business and he's got some hookups yeah so they they start working together and they make mm-hmm. three films together the killing passive glory and lolita but these three films are really important, I think, because they kind of, like...
0: Yeah, I would say that that, that once we get to Past the Glory, like, he's making, you know, great films. Yeah, he's like, he's, films. his his style is figured out. Exactly. Like, it's not... He, he's not... It's... There's still different things that evolve, but, like, I think we have the Kubrick form when we get to Pass the Glory. Yeah,
1: he's in his that's he's entered his prime exactly paths of glory totally um so the killing is interesting because it's the first movie so hollywood unions at the time i don't know how if it's still like this i don't know how it works i don't know anything about that um it's probably
0: even more weird
1: (laughs) yeah basically he wasn't allowed to be both the director and the cinematographer
0: yeah exactly
1: so they had to hire a guy um so they hired a veteran Hollywood guy, as they yeah. you know, they assume they would, for this young starting out Hollywood director making his, this, you know, this film. Um, so they hired this guy named Lucien Ballard. Lucien Ballard? Yeah. Regardless, I can't pronounce his name. But he did not get along. The, him and Kirk nope. did yeah. not get along. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm aware of this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I did... Uh, did did Kubrick actually tell him to leave at, at any point? <laughs> or was it like, I, well, did he actually way, stay on the whole time?
1: The way I heard it described is he was nearly fired several times. Yeah. How far it went, I don't know. Maybe yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, maybe Kubrick fired him and then the studio was like, no.
0: Yeah, like, once again, like, I think we kind of talk about this a little bit, but like, where is the line between like what the director does and the cinematographer do, and it very much varies between who your director is and who your yeah, cinematographer is. Yeah, type of is. director. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that this is one of the reasons why you tend to see the director team up with the same cinematographer over and over again, is because they're always comfortable with that balance.
1: Yes, exactly. They, they, they. When you find something that works, stick with it. Yeah. So it's like I harder mean, harder to balance to to find. Yeah.
0: So, but. The sense I get is that if you're the cinematographer on a Stanley Kubrick film You
1: do what he says. You run the
0: camera and you do what he says. (laughs) Yes.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You do what he says or you are You put the
0: lens on the camera that he tells you to. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Like you're just a pair of hands because he doesn't have enough, really. (laughs) At that point.
0: Yeah. Which is like
1: you know, if you're accepting that job, you should know that. I mean, not necessarily at that point in his career, obviously, but
0: (laughs) yeah but later on when we get to barry i i think definitely
1: (laughs) yes by the time we're at barry for sure by the time we're at 2001 (laughs) for sure yeah so yeah so they make the killing he gets into some screaming matches with with uh this other cinematographer but you know this is like this really shows like his personality i think and his like that because he was described as like super shy and yeah and everything but he also had this like kind of degree of narcissism where he's like you know he's 27 years old this is his first yeah like, and he's
0: telling this experienced cinematographer to like basically exactly. go himself
1: <laughs> like, exactly he's 27 years old this is his first film he's screaming yeah. at a you know at a yeah a, a guy who's been in the industry 20 years you know it's like, yeah yeah i know it's a uh, it's pretty significant uh, but you know he was right
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean to a certain extent like that's not the cinematographer's fault that's the, the dumb rule that he can't be yeah. both roles at once credited <laughs> like, yeah, yeah
1: exactly well i mean i guess i mean i may have overstated saying he's right i think i think you can it's easy with someone as powerful uh yeah especially yeah, that's wise, true i suppose especially
0: now like, that we know that he's good at that <laughs> like,
1: exactly it's like at the time he might no, been... I understand
0: it from both of their perspectives. Like it, of course. Of course. Like if I was like I completely understand that the cinematographer would do that.
1: Exactly. Because but he's can... like,
0: I know how to make a movie. Like, you know I've made there are several reasons why you don't want to do it the way you're asking me to do it and I've had all this time to do it. It's like, you know, I don't want to this. I don't want to make this movie bad, you know. Exactly,
1: and I wanted. I don't want it to be harder than it has to be for me. Yeah.
0: So it's like they both firmly believe that the movie would be better the way they did it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's like, and yeah,
1: even like even from a to step back even further, it's like I don't. I think it's it's easy, and too often done to like, with great directors to assume that every decision that they make is the right one because they're so good at certain things, it's like... like There's a bit not, of an
0: aside here, but this is how we got the Star Wars prequels.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the, the most famous example of them. Yeah, <laughs> I know. The, the debate is endless. We even had one like, yesterday, even. I don't know about... Yeah. <laughs> I, li- I think they're good, but... We won't have that debate now. Um
0: That's a that's a strong opinion <laughs> that you have there, Keaton. <laughs> that is an unpopular opinion. <laughs> no, but, but anyway, a, this is not an ast- we're not talking a heavily, about that.
1: It's a heavily asterisk opinion, but yes. We're um, not talking about that. We're not talking about that. Um so the killing the killing caught enough. It, it wasn't very successful. Yeah but it kinda launched him like people saw that it was well enough done. Yeah, that that they decided to give him the the real difficult, like the real film, *Pass of Glory*. Yeah, featuring one Kirk Douglas.
0: Kirk fucking Douglas.
1: Yeah, who is um pretty important fulcrum in the career of Stanley
0: Kubrick. Really, yeah, he is a, a pretty important fulcrum, uh, and he will appear later on in this as well, but. Kirk Douglas is an absolute legend. I don't know if we can really put this any other way. <laughs> yeah, like, I
1: don't actually know that we've mentioned him before, but... I don't
0: know if we've ever mentioned Kirk Douglas, but Kirk Douglas is a fucking absolute legend. He is a legend, like, rest in peace. He died... R.I.P. This
1: past year, I don't remember, fairly something recently. Something like that,
0: at the ripe but old was, age of like 102 a or some shit. <laughs> yeah, he was a million years old, so like, <laughs> yeah. good
1: for him. But he, 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 he was a fan, I think. Of stanley yes kubrick.
0: he he definitely was uh so he 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 recognized that uh that that stanley kubrick was uh was a happening guy you know yeah
1: yeah he did so so after passive of glory basically this is when kubrick flees america
0: <laughs> well i i don't think he flees america he i think uh this is where he finds where he's gonna to flee to.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean not quite He doesn't
0: flee until later, but this is this is the beginning of it, yeah.
1: He cases his uh
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> he cases so the joint. after after Pats of Glory, he, he does Lolita, which is shot in Britain, I believe.
1: I believe. In Europe.
0: Yeah. And At uh, least. also least I think in Britain yeah. though. I think it's Britain. But um Yeah. So he leaves uh, America to go shoot this movie,
1: and the reason they left specifically was because because last time they wanted more control.
0: Yeah, once again, you know, maybe the uh, maybe we won't have to deal with Hollywood unions who don't let me be the cinematographer and the director at the same time. You know, <laughs> yeah,
1: and like it's it's funny because none of the books I read like really flat out said that that's why they made that film there. But they like heavily applied yeah. it, so I don't really know.
0: But if... also, like just at this time, like it was cheaper to make a movie in Europe.
1: Yeah, f- fair. I mean, spaghetti westerns. We've talked about all that exactly before. So yeah, he goes, he makes Lolita, and uh, he gets a taste for Europe. But he's called back to uh, <laughs> to America um, to make his next film, and at the time, what was the most expensive? film to date in Hollywood and that is the film bought by Kirk Dud- Kirk Douglas Spartacus.
0: Yes, Spartacus. Uh this is a very odd film in the uh Kubrick canon.
1: It is the standard. Because
0: this the thing of like this is the one film I think he did that he wasn't sort of the auteur, you know. Exactly. Like this... you, he didn't he didn't write it. He he wasn't uh uh, he wasn't he didn't have i guess as much hand in the camera work he was just a director kirk douglas was gonna make kirk douglas's movie and he was like okay i'm i like this kubrick guy i worked with him before on paths to glory and i think he should direct it yes actually i believe he was replacing a director who got fired
1: Yes. Yeah, he did. He there was another director. And you know what? We've actually we, 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 we kinda of fudged the timeline a little bit here. Right. I got it reversed. Spartacus comes before Lolita. I thought I thought he made a Lolita and then came back to make Spartacus, but actually he makes Spartacus. Right, okay, yeah. Sorry. And then yeah, goes you're right. off to you're, make you're, Lolita. You're totally
0: right. Um yeah, it's, uh but anyway, so basically Spartacus was uh was apparently supposed to be directed originally by David Lean. Um, oh, who, who I don't think we've talked about before.
1: No, but what, his name is extremely familiar, but I'm blanking on what he uh, did.
0: He did uh, movies such as Lawrence Arabia, Bridge on the River Kwai, <laughs> Doctor yes, Zhivago. Uh, Another yes, great director, yes, but um,
1: Jake's other favorite director. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he he was originally offered the opportunity to direct it. However, he turned it down.
1: It's definitely more in his lane than it is Stanley Kubrick. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, although I don't think, like, to to be fair to Kirk Douglas, like Stanley Kubrick didn't establish what Stanley Kubrick is yet. Yeah,
1: it's true. This is not quite.
0: Um. So yeah. So he uh he brought on director Anthony Mann to uh to direct the film.
1: Kirk Douglas brought on Anthony Mann.
0: Kirk Douglas brought on Anthony Mann. And he shot some sequences for the film, and uh, then he was fired. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite clear on exactly what happened. My guess is that Kirk Douglas didn't get along with him, and Kirk yeah. Douglas is running the Kirk Douglas show. This is Kirk Douglas's movie. Yeah, so he's like, you know, um, I like you, kid. You direct it. He talks, he's talking about it yeah he's talking to Kubrick he's, talking, he's <laughs> yeah. talking to Stan interestingly like this is his first color movie actually which is yeah, weird because it is it's like super weird it's it's uh, because once again like this is such a big movie for him to just be thrust into
1: yeah and it's such a not Kubrick film like again yeah once again film... because he's
0: not in charge
1: <laughs> yeah like this is the only film out of his entire filmography that he only did one out of directing writing and producing exactly the only one the only other one is lolita which he he did write. he was just uncredited but he did actually write it whereas this one nothing but this was like i think a super like confidence building experience for him in a lot of ways because yeah
0: i i I think so definitely because you know you have great actors on on set like
1: lawrence olivier like let me just just
0: yeah lawrence olivier kirk fucking douglas uh charles lawton peter Ustinov. Tony Curtis.
1: Tony Curtis, yeah.
0: <laughs> Tony Curtis. Tony Curtis, father of Jamie Lee Curtis, previously exactly. been
1: mentioned <laughs> many times, several times. <laughs> yeah, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, passive. So, passive glory was like a, a big film, obviously, and he was working with like a huge, like, crew. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Spartacus, like, took that to the next degree.
0: Yeah. Once again, like, without a doubt, this is the biggest thing he ever worked on. Like this. Like is this dead. is. Each- this, this is, was
1: the biggest film ever made at the this time. Is the
0: big blockbuster in Hollywood that year was this movie. Yeah. And, it was... and he's being thrust into it. This is uh you you have this point here. This is a bit <laughs> of a how we mini how we shot it how they shot it, but uh yeah, I it I mean, introduced just... him to the wonders of Anamorphic. Yeah. Something he promptly first... tried once, never used it again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he liked it, didn't
0: he? No, apparently he hated it. Uh this comes down to just like The, because Stanley Kubrick's a fucking nut for, like, technical shit. Yes. And there is just the fact that, like, anamorphic optics, they can't, they just, they can't really come close to the quality of a Uh, spherical lens.
1: Right, well, yes, this is the first, the first film he used anamorphic and, uh...
0: And the last.
1: (laughs) And the last. And again, it, it goes hand in hand with the fact that, uh... He had no hand in it, technically.
0: Exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely, like, this is a watershed moment for him. Yeah, absolutely. He really, uh, now he's a big director. And this is when he leaves America. <laughs> so this, is,
1: this is when he flees America.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, he doesn't but flee. But not that's... for good, not for good.
1: And not in, like, an act. Like, flee makes it sound
0: like yeah. he was like. No, no, he goes, to, he goes to make the movie in the U.K., because yeah. of various reasons, one expense and be like you know he wants to be in control,
1: <laughs> constraints and all that. Yeah. So yeah, he makes he makes Lolita, but then then comes you know the string of films that is kind of his.
0: Yeah, then then we get to the classics.
1: Exactly. It's it's so following.
0: Is... Yeah, following Lolita, hits. we yeah this is the hits. This is the hits. We do Doctor Strange Love. Um, where was Doctor Strange filmed? Was that in America? No,
1: that was filmed in Europe as well. Okay. I remember where. Um, because the lead actor... Uh, Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers lived in, in the UK.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, we shot in the UK. Uh. But yeah, basically, at this point in Kubrick's career, he's, he's doing the hits. He does Dr. Strangelove, and immediately following Dr. Strangelove. He does what I think a lot of people know him for, which is 2001: A Space Odyssey.
1: His, some might say,
0: some might say his magnum opus, yeah, indeed. Um,
1: would you say that?
0: I, I, I probably,
1: probably, yeah. I mean, from I think from a technical and like just like filmmaking standpoint, and like practical effect standpoint,
0: it's but also like, like that's I think that's probably one of his most influential movies yeah like that's where he made his mark basically
1: exactly that is yeah but Which yeah like it's fun that we're talking about barry linden because it's such yeah
0: a, because it's the it's later than that it's, it's not the next one but it's there's it's two it's films the after 2001
1: next next one
0: yeah um so but basically and i the thing is i don't think that stanley Liked the idea that 2001
1: was his of us. No, you don't think. Like, what do you mean? I don't
0: think so, because he kept trying to do, like, huge movies, like, huge projects that never got made. Right. And so I think he was trying to top it.
1: (laughs) He was was really trying to... I think that that
0: was his thing afterwards. You know
1: what he tried to top? We, We discussed briefly earlier on today the film that he tried to top it with.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah but we, we we we're jumping in a bit of the gun but basically for doing 2001 A space odyssey he uh he goes back to the UK and uh and this time he doesn't leave
1: <laughs> he yeah he buys a uh,
0: he buys, buys a he buys some property in the UK a very nice uh, like a manor like a stately manor yeah. um and he sort of uh begins to put down his roots there i guess he he uh he just didn't like uh, the Hollywood types.
1: Yeah, he just didn't like LA, didn't like Hollywood.
0: It's, yeah, um, it's un- but I mean, even before, like he he seems like he was based in New York and Hollywood, but yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, more so. Yeah. Just to America, it seemed like he was. Uh, yeah, he was tired of. But I I can't even really speculate on that, like on why he 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 moved over. I don't even have any. Yeah, clue. I
0: would I, I w- I, my guess is basically I think he could be more private. In the UK? Yeah, it makes sense.
1: The documentary that we were talking about earlier, The Boxes, has a yeah. very c- cemented take on...
0: Yeah. Uh, like, I tend to think it's it's a pretty reasonable take.
1: It's a reasonable take. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. It's reasonable. I wouldn't necessarily yeah. say it's 100% accurate. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about it more later on. So, but... but
0: anyway, he he goes to the UK and then he goes and makes 2001, which many people would be consider to be his magnum opus.
1: Yes but we won't we won't talk too much about it because you know
0: but uh we're talking about Barry I, yeah but but yeah 2001 it is ground like just i me and you we were very lucky to uh to be able to see that movie in 70mm oh yeah
1: that was yeah. so so fucking cool yeah
0: so like if ever you get the chance because you know It seems at this point like movie theaters might be a thing again.
1: (laughs) We're getting there. We're getting there. Cross fingers. We're getting there. Cross Cross my fingers. fingers.
0: Um, If you ever get the chance to see 2001 in 70mm, it's amazing. Take that chance. It
1: is a spectacle.
0: It is. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, he he ends up going to the UK uh, doing 2001 A Space Odyssey, which takes uh, between, I think, 1965 to 1969, so four years to make. Or maybe more than that, four, four or five years. I can't, I can't remember exactly. But Ooh.
1: as like this is, as you say, kind of becomes his defining work, just in a lot of ways because of like, you know, how back his, he's defined almost in a way by the background work that he does.
0: Yeah, you know. So I think this is the first movie where he really did a lot of background, yeah, pre-production like, stuff, like to the nth level. Like, yeah,
1: like he, he like. Went and observed NASA, like you know, building their I forget which specific uh, 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 probe it was or whatever they were building. We, yeah, go listen to episode three or whatever, where we talk, <laughs> <it>. yeah, <laughs> but uh, actually, about the space program,
0: yeah, actually, this is you know, I'm not gonna go into too many details, but this is not the last time we'll be talking about NASA. In, uh-huh. in this three-part series wow and no we're not going to talk about the moon landing you dumb fuck <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: okay okay sure we won't sure we won't talk <laughs> about the moon landing for those of you who are unaware people think that stanley kubrick faked the moon landing because of how good he was it. we'll get to it. We'll, we'll, the, there's we'll a we there's want.
0: a saying uh I don't think we'll get there. I hope we don't. But anyway, there is a saying that, um, and I think that this this actually underscores like what we were saying I, about like yeah. all the stuff he put into this is like you, the reason why you know Stanley Kubrick didn't fake the moon landing is because if he had, he would have insisted that they shoot it on the actual moon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Classic, and true. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And this just doesn't look good enough to be a Kubrick film.
0: Yeah. You no, know, it doesn't he would have been like what are you talking about why is this so blurry like yeah
1: he, he <laughs> would not do have done this it. yeah he yeah. wouldn't have done it but so how do you follow up such an epic sci-fi extravaganza
0: with an epic period piece <laughs> yes
1: that's the only way
0: and no we're not even talking about barry linden yet
1: <laughs> no we're not even at barry linden we're still what <laughs> six years ahead of Barry Lyndon
0: yes okay so this sort of feeds very much into Barry Lyndon
1: yeah this is this is this is hugely important in my opinion for the background of Barry Lyndon
0: this is so yeah right after doing 2001 he begins to think about making a film based on the life of Napoleon Bonaparte
1: hells yeah and I think
0: everybody's favorite Corsican dictator.
1: you know what I think he might be my favorite Corsican dictator
0: yeah exactly everybody's favorite French emperor yes I mean, I mean I think there were only two and he's way better than Napoleon the third
1: without a doubt he's better than Napoleon the fucking third what did Napoleon uh, the fucking third do name me one thing he did
0: he invaded Mexico
1: oh sick good for him how'd that turn
0: out badly
1: exactly
0: so um
1: I think this Napoleon film had been in the back of his head for a long time, because he yeah. was a, a quote-unquote fan of Napoleon. He was a
0: fan of Napoleon. Um, but yeah, so he sort of uh, starts working on this movie, but uh, he doesn't finish it, because he's he's going to go work on A um, clock. Well,
1: yeah, it's kind of unclear. I didn't... Okay,
0: like, the timeline... Once again, the timelines are kind of... Like, because... Because we don't actually 100% know everything that Stanley was doing in between, like, everything and what order he did things. By 1971, he's making A Clock of yeah, Orange.
1: But, there, so the reason it seems that Napoleon film falls apart, basically, he, he, he gets really far into the movie.
0: He gets really far into the movie. He, he had, um, like, as far, as far as what I can tell is he had a script, he had a cast... Uh, he had costumes, like yeah. a lot of shit was done.
1: Yeah, yeah, he'd done all this background research, and he had like one of the great details I I found was that he um he he, he was so because he, again he he's super detail oriented. One yeah. of the details he, was he also about- yeah he,
0: he he also he's also he seems to be the kind of person that would probably get really concerned about like some like uh he seems to get hung potential up on things. yeah he seems to get hung up on things basically
1: yeah and obsesses over them and wants yeah. to figure everything out about them so this one specific story was he was like he he this this napoleon movie was gonna be like the biggest um crew ever like he was talking like tens of thousands of people because he was gonna
0: hire like a full because well, he, he needed to top 2001
1: Exactly. He was going to hire like a full army and like yeah. have like like there's this one quote like uh, 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 um uh we had shots dreamed up where they were going to just fly endlessly over the heads of a marching army with a cavalry of 5,000 horses, horses and 15 yeah. to 20,000 troops in a
0: helicopter. And I mean just imagine if they made this movie that would What? Been a sick. Shot
1: that would that would have been, been sick. <laughs> but anyway, the point of all this is that like Stanley is like thinking about like how to mass vaccinate his uh his crew for the flu because he was worried that yeah he was worried that epidemic. they would all get
0: the flu and that it would take down the uh, the production yeah
1: so he was like trying to figure out this
0: yeah anyway um but the, the but other... i mean you know i can't blame him man vaccination's super important
1: yeah vaccinations super important everyone <laughs> yes. gets
0: that seems abundantly clear now. Yes, no
1: matter how they make you feel for a couple of days afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Worth it. Worth it. <laughs> so the the other significant detail about this Napoleon film is who he was considering for his lead actor, and he got... Well,
0: yes, because this comes up later. Not in... We probably won't talk about it in this podcast, but, you know. In, uh, later on so, in the career
1: of Kubrick.
0: I believe at the time that they... Uh, Cancelled the project that um, Jack Nicholson was set to be Napoleon.
1: He was, and he was super into it. Apparently, they worked well together. It seems Jack Nicholson. Oh and yeah. Kubrick, as we'll later find out. Well, not in this podcast, as you said. Maybe one day we'll do The Shining, but you yeah, know, they worked well together, and uh, uh, he got almost equally as obsessed with Napoleon, apparently, as yeah as kubrick was which is saying something
0: but yeah like this has probably got to be like one of the most interesting like unmade movies like yeah. ever seriously like it's it's up there with yodorowsky's dude
1: <laughs> yeah sir exactly like this this like we're we're just scratching the surface of what could be yeah a, a, you know 10 hour special on. Like,
0: and you know. and it's all it's all in those boxes man
1: exactly it's all in the boxes which we will talk about further <laughs> Later. Yeah, <laughs> part two. Come back for part two if you want to know about the boxes. We'll do it again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, anyway, we we've we've we we we've, we've dwelt on this long enough. Um. So, let's move on. Um. To as you said, a clockwork orange. I think he made that film kind of mostly just because he needed to make a film quickly yeah, he needed and cheaply.
0: To... Yeah. Exactly. So uh, he made a clockwork orange, which, which... is. uh you know, it's interesting film.
1: It's fine. It's not my favorite film. I mean,
0: I like it. Like, I think it's a, it's a really good, it's disturbing,
1: it's disturbing <laughs> like, as hell. Yeah, it's
0: yeah. It's an intense um, film. It's a very intense film. But yeah, uh, definitely one of his more controversial movies.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It like because apparently like several crimes. One of the books I was reading said like there were like a bunch of crimes in the UK after the film that were like inspired by the film. So that, like, mm, yeah. Kubrick pulled it from circulation in the UK. Mm. And, like, you couldn't even... It wasn't available in the UK until after Kubrick passed on.
0: Yeah. Basically, there's a scene in in the movie where a woman gets beaten to death with a giant clay phallus.
1: Yeah, classic.
0: So that's your example of what that movie is held up.
1: That, yeah, that gives you... That's your window into that film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen it. <laughs> so in terms of Stanley Kubrick's career that b- brings us up to 1972
0: yes so i i think he's so he's gone back to working on napoleon now yes
1: exactly and but he's
0: it's really coming together in his mind
1: things are coming together um but as we know the film napoleon was never made yes um, and we will get to all of that and yeah, much in, more in part two in part two um but before we get to part two
0: we have a special segment i believe a special
1: segment which is arguably more important than Kubrick's connection to this film is this next segment
0: yeah what kind of connections would we be talking about degrees perhaps Welcome to Six Degrees of Star Trek. Yeah, this is the segment in which we find out the connections between this film and Star Trek.
1: Yes, yeah, so so, a little bit, a little bit of lighter listening after our, our uh, after
0: yeah the very heavy the stem Kubrick biography.
1: Kubrick. <laughs> exactly, but it's all important. It's setting the background. It's, it's good setting stuff the background. Know. And honestly, I could t- we could we could have talked about that for a lot longer. I think we. <laughs>
0: we we wanted to be a little brisk.
1: <laughs> yes, we had to be. But anyway, onwards to some more fun things for the rest of this episode. Okay, Tell so yes, so
0: this it. is this is the segment in which we try to find the connections between this film and Star Trek. Can be any sort of screen Star Trek media in this film. Yes,
1: yes. So. And- I'm in the middle of my Star Trek rewatch, so I'm particularly excited.
0: Yes, Ke- Keaton is working through the very early seasons of Star Trek, the next generation. Yes,
1: that's where I am currently, and you, will, you as listeners will be continually updated through this segment. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: the, uh, the first couple seasons are a bit rough, so yeah, well, godspeed, you know. Keaton. Okay, so we start this off with a direct connection. Fuck yes. Okay. Uh... We start off with Steven Burkhoff. Stephen Burkhoff. Now who is he in this movie and why might you know him? In the film Barry Lyndon, he plays Lord Ludd. Yes. Who uh who Barry has a duel with. <laughs> <laughs> a sword duel. Different kind of duel. Yeah, so he tries to uh he tries to like not he's so he gambles with the uh the Chevalier, he loses because the Chevalier cheats. And then he's like, well, you owe me money. And then uh, he's like, well, I don't want to pay you money because, you know, you're an asshole and you cheated. And then he's like, well, I demand satisfaction. (laughs) And then, like, him and Barry duel. Barry wins and he pays.
1: We should cinemetrics how many times the word satisfaction is used in this film.
0: Oh, we have cinemetrics is coming up. Not in this episode, but it will. I have I have bits prepared. Oh, excellent. Anyway, so uh, now why might you know who who is Stephen Burkov? Who is Stephen Burkoff? That uh, well, he's a very prominent. He has a very prominent role in a movie called Beverly Hills Cop. Yes, that's what it he's is. He's Victor Maitland. <laughs> he's the bad guy in Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> He's a bad guy. Like this act, like Steven Burkov is a just like no. I don't. I don't know anything about his personal life or anything. But just look at him. He's a bad guy. Oh, my, see <laughs> like,
1: what you mean. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like, look at him.
0: So, in in his one and only appearance in the Star Trek universe, he is similarly a bad guy. <laughs>
1: no shit. <laughs> he is featured
0: look. in the Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode. Business as usual. From the year nineteen ninety seven that would be season uh season five, episode eighteen, so mid to late uh, Okay,
1: Not haven't got there yet in my rewatch.
0: Actually, interestingly, this episode was directed by Alexander Sadek, who plays Bashir. <laughs>
1: oh interesting.
0: Yeah. Did he uh, direct a just, lot of episodes? No, I that's why it's interesting. Um <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh yeah so uh in this episode this is a very quark heavy episode
1: oh, it's like those are good episodes
0: yeah quark needs some money because he's deeply <laughs> in debt which is a very standard quark situation yeah uh so his cousin comes to him and he's like hey cuz uh you know i might have you know a good job for you if you know you want to sell some weapons <laughs> Oh, no. It's <laughs>
1: like... <laughs> uh, cork. You fool.
0: Uh, You know, let me introduce you to my pal Haggith uh, who has played by Stephen Burkhoff.
1: So he makes an arms deal with Stephen Burkhoff and I assume it doesn't go well for him.
0: They they start making some arms deals. Um, yeah. So he's working with Stephen Burkhoff. He's 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 selling arms on behalf of Stephen Burkoff.
1: Right, so he's like a client.
0: He's like meeting with the... the the clients and like he's like you know trying to convince them to buy all these weapons but they're what? not actually like because they're using Quark's holodex to like show off the weapons so that no actual weapons go on to D-Sace 9
1: smart clever
0: so uh, it turns out at the beginning it's going really well but but then obviously Quark is like Quark
1: you know, fucks it up and standard Quark, Quark fucks it
0: well because like uh, Odo catches on and then it turns out they're not doing anything illegal because there's no weapons right <laughs> but um uh, anyway watch the episode you'll find out i will <laughs> yeah i will all get there I, I, I just time realized time. i was summarizing an entire star trek episode It's probably not worth well
1: it. that'll happen but
0: yeah you know um but yeah go watch the episode um or read the blurb <laughs> on various sites um but yeah this is an episode that involves quark and arms dealing and stephen brookoff being a bad guy so
1: all of them sticking to the things that define them
0: yeah okay so this is one that is i guess it's sort of a direct connection sort of a direct but i am just okay. adding it in because uh because we we're talking a bit about unmade movies yeah uh and so uh the he uh so uh one of the guys who worked as production designer on uh a uh, production designer on barry linden was a man named ken adam
1: Ken Adam, hold on. That's Ken... a familiar name. Yeah,
0: that's a familiar name.
1: <laughs> We've talked about him before, haven't we?
0: Uh, possibly. He's worked on a lot of James Bond movies.
1: That's what it's from. Yeah, that's what it's yeah. name from. We talked about him on the, on the James Bond.
0: Yes, episode. exactly. Uh, but he's also worked a bunch with Stanley Kubrick. Really. Specifically on Doctor Strangelove. Uh, like you know the the room, like the war room in Doctor Strangelove.
1: So he did production. That he's production designer.
0: Production designer. Yeah. Wow. So the war really... room in Doctor Strangelove looks very much like a villain's slayer in James Bond, and there's a reason I, for that.
1: <laughs> there is. Is it not like the same set? In did they? <laughs> no, not it's not
0: exactly. Stuff? I don't. I don't know if they actually use the same set, but ah, uh... Uh, well,
1: that that's that's the rumor. That's the and the
0: rumor. I I also heard uh, this is not credited, but that. I believe through Ken Adam, Stanley Kubrick actually uh, has an uncredited. He he did some uncredited work on the James Bond film uh, from Russia with Love. I think what? Yeah, where he because it was it was it was shot. I think on in the studio that he lives near, right? And somebody. Uh, came to him and was like, uh, I've been having trouble lighting this set. I was wondering if you could help me because we're that's, pals, right? That's
1: amazing. <laughs> so he, he did and some so, lighting work on
0: yeah. film, allegedly. Allegedly. So we have no firm source on this. It's but... a great story.
1: And I yeah. choose to believe it.
0: I choose to believe that it's true. So it was the underwater submarine base in oh, that sick. film.
1: sick. Yeah, no, totally. You can see this. Wait,
0: was it from yeah. Russia with love or was it... Mm- I, it was the Roger Moore movie. I can't remember. I, it's no, Yeah, that's from. There Russian was a movie. Russian spy in the movie. Yeah, no, I get I the Bond was, films confused.
1: Oh really? Yeah, all two thousand of them, that all have like similar. Oh no, it was the spy names? who loved me. Oh yeah, sorry. Most generic names of any films,
0: <laughs> among others. But one yeah, another. sorry. But yeah, so why does this have anything to do with Star Trek?
1: Yeah, that's that's. It's got to come back to <laughs> Star Trek somewhere.
0: That is because we were talking about unmade movies. (laughs) And Ken Adam did some storyboard work and concept art in the 1970s on Star Trek Planet of the Titans.
1: Uh, Which is a movie we've mentioned before that never got made. Everybody's favorite unmade film. (laughs) Yeah, it's true.
0: Actually, I mean, we talked about, like, you know, maybe Napoleon's one of the greatest unmade movies of all time. But, actually, but no it's really star trek and the planet it of the titans. is yeah we we, <laughs> we completely fucked up i'm sorry polian's number two <laughs> star trek planet of the titans number one number one
1: <laughs> which will get its own episode its own series one of these days
0: i don't even know if there's enough information about it to do an episode on that's the issue we'll
1: have to do some oc <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah um okay so that was not even a real one, because it That's didn't get made. It's
1: still one of my favorite connections. <laughs> he did storyboard uh, work on it. Amazing.
0: Yeah, okay, so uh, the next one is through Philip Stone. Philip Stone,
1: you say. Now, who is Philip Stone? He is
0: Graham in Barry Lyndon. Basically, he's one of the dudes who works for his wife. Oh, okay, he's like a servant. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what his job is, but... um. But you may recognize the actor because he also plays um, Grady in The oh. Shining. Oh, he's haven't that we guy. talked
1: about him before as well? I don't think so. Oh no,
0: wait. I mean, mind. he's not a—he's not a direct connection. No, no, no. However, I believe there's more than one secondary connection through him. Go on. We're gonna go with—he was in a film, a a biography of Pope John Paul II.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Which uh, starred Albert Finney um as pope john paul the second and also contained patrick stewart
1: there it is <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so last connection i'm gonna do four well, you're not total, gonna explain who
1: patrick stewart is
0: no i don't think i need to patrick stewart's captain picard in star trek the next generation ain't a star trek card <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's growing on me
0: yeah um he's okay <laughs> he's fine yeah (laughs) it's some bum
1: (laughs) no no jane
0: way uh anyway so last one last one before we wrap it up here um okay so this one can be traced two ways to the same two degree connection so either through director stanley kubrick or through cinematographer john alcott
1: okay we didn't really talk about John Alcott, but he'll, well, sure he'll sure come
0: up. Well, I'm sure we will a lot later. He'll come up a lot later. in parts
1: two or three, yeah.
0: Yeah. But John Alcott also worked on 2001 A Space Odyssey.
1: Okay. What Did he work on any other Kubrick films? Yes.
0: <laughs> Many.
1: <laughs> Go on.
0: Uh, uh, Let me just list them. So, Barry Lyndon, Clockwork Orange, 2001 A Space Odyssey, et cetera. Right.
1: Uh, so... Found a guy who would work who would work well with him.
0: Oh, in The Shining.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, so there you go. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. But yeah, basically, like we were saying, like um, once you find a cinematographer you like as a director, I think they generally like to work with the same guys over and over again, because Stick they together, know what they yeah. want and they know where that line is.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Once you find that line. Why go yeah. through the 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 trouble of finding it again? Yeah,
0: especially if you shoot like two thousand one of space, honestly, like with this yeah. guy.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Also, I
0: feel like um, with I don't I'm not gonna say John Alcott's job was easy, but <laughs> there's you certainly do what a Stanley lot. Stanley
1: Kubrick says
0: exactly as <laughs> like, we were
1: saying before. You are his hands. You are not. I think your creative role is is probably there. Like I'm sure he was collaborative, yeah. but um... yeah. It's definitely a bit more diminished, I would say.
0: Yeah. Um but yeah, so but yeah, I don't know. Like it seems like uh I'm just a little bit surprised that um But I guess I guess if John Accall wants to work with but I'm saying like after he did two thousand one, John Accall probably would get to do whatever the fuck he wanted. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: exactly. You kinda
0: But um I guess I guess he just enjoyed working with Stanley Kubrick because he worked with him again many times. Although yeah. Uh, he did not have the gaps in his filmography that Stanley Cooper does.
1: No, he did not. I'm just looking at his filmography now. and Yeah. He he, outside of... Uh... Stanley Kubrick. He didn't really really do interesting anything. that
0: he was the cinematographer for The Beastmaster. I was just gonna bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that, that's like a, it's like you know I'm sure I guess cinematographer in that movie was fine, but it's like yeah. it's not something that you would say like the guy who shot The Beastmaster also did 2001: A Space Odyssey. I mean, that's
1: the thing it's like none of his mem his films after The Shining are really that memorable.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean
1: for their cinematography i mean the beast is exactly. a memorable
0: film but <laughs> yeah and i'm not saying that like you know oh john alcott did nothing no, no, but no. i mean
1: again we it's a stanley fucking Kubrick we're talking about
0: yeah right no like i'm saying like you know it's uh his role i think was well defined
1: yes yeah yeah i think that's fair so What was his Star Trek connection? Did I just miss that? I haven't got to there there yet. yet.
0: But yeah, so uh, once again, we can do it either through John Alcott or through Stanley Kubrick because it's through 2001 A Space Odyssey. So
1: let's do it through Stanley Kubrick because he's the man. Stan,
0: the man. I just realized I completely forgot who the actor's name was (laughs) (laughs) that we're connecting through. So in 2001 A Space Odyssey, you have the character Dr. Frank Poole. Who is played indeed. by gary lockwood indeed gary a, lockwood was he in, was in star trek the original series was he
1: the guy who no he wasn't the guy who was kirk before kirk was was he
0: no no he was not pine oh, okay okay um he was lieutenant commander gary mitchell okay, who so. is the guy who is in very i think it was the very first episode shot of star trek the original series actually It was not the very first episode aired, I believe, but it was the first one that they actually shot.
1: Which is the... Where No
0: Man Has Gone Before. It's where they go to the edge of the universe, and then Gary Mitchell, played by Gary Lockwood, uh, goes crazy and uh, becomes like a super powerful godlike being, which is a pretty classic (laughs) Star Trek plot.
1: That is such a classic Star Trek plot.
0: (laughs) But we have mentioned Gary Mitchell before, because he... He was a connection in actually weirdly enough. I believe, uh, um, once upon a time in the West.
1: Was it? Oh yeah. He wasn't
0: in Once Upon a Time in the West, but he was in something with somebody who was. He was a yeah. He was a uh
1: yeah. Removed degree. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's, that's uh, pretty good. That's that's what I got. But yeah, there's 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 only one primary connection. Although, also, actually, no, you know, uh, let's let's give it to. Uh, to Ken Adam, yeah, Ken. Adam, Even though, like Ken Adam did the work, it just didn't get made.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, no, that that counts. That's primary. Yeah,
0: he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was there. He um, did the work. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's what I got for you on this uh, on this. That's trek. our
1: that's our our trek segment for for this week. You got the man himself, Stan the man, in there. himself
0: Yeah, Stan the man connects to Star Trek by two degrees. Yeah. Stan the man never directed an episode of Star Trek. You know that would be, weird, oh my probably. god! Imagine. Yeah, I know. I don't even. Which series would it be? Uh, Who's Voyager? <laughs> it...
1: oh, Kubrick Voyager episode would be. Uh, ah, yeah. I can't even describe to you what I would give to see that. Yeah. Anyway, that would be... now uh, we're just getting into daydreaming. Um the day yeah. part of the episode so since we're running quite long i suppose we should cut her and yep. come back to you next week with part two so that's all for this week um next week as we said at the top of the episode we're going to conclude the background discussion about stanley kubrick but um it's we're not we're done with the biography don't worry
0: <laughs> yeah that's it that's it we've given you the biography stan the man now we're yeah. gonna talk about production we're gonna do t- for well, realties well, this time
1: well, not quite production yet. We're pre-production. Pre-production and we're also going to talk about yeah. like his reputation in terms of like I just want to get I, we'll get to the bottom of it. Yeah, we'll Let's we'll just, Oh. Oh. <laughs> that, well, that's that that may have been a bit yeah, more right. well, leading well, bit.
0: yeah, let, let we'll leave it at that. But Neither anyway, not. thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week with part yes. 2, which is which we don't have a name yet for but we'll come up with one
1: We'll come up with a great one Because
0: the movie has two parts but our episode has three parts
1: Part three will be the epilogue um, Yeah it
0: will be the downfall of Well it won't really be the downfall <laughs> <laughs> But yeah anyway
1: Regardless um, um, Yeah well the Social media stuff Like and, yeah. and subscribe and all that Sweet jazz if you're still here uh,
0: We love you Oh uh, yeah shout out to Norway Norway listening yes. to our podcast
1: we love you Norwegian listener. We love listener. you
0: Norwegian people You're great Alright, alright, see you guys